they'd count, and uh, maybe they'd have to throw a Mississippi in the middle. Did you ever do that? One Mississippi, two Mississippi. That way, you made sure they went long enough. And, and when they got done counting, whatever the number was they were supposed to count to, they, w- they would shout, ready or not, here I come. And I can remember times, even as a kid, where I'm running around looking for a place to hide, and they stand up, and they, they say, ready or not, here I come. And I'm thinking, but I'm not ready. <laughs> I know you counted, and, and that's great and all, but, but I'm not ready. I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this, this guy to come try and find me. I don't have a hiding spot. And, and I remember even as a kid being stressed out, playing hide-and-go-seek, because they said, ready or not, and I'm like, not, I am not ready. And uh, that's a bummer when you're playing hide-and-go-seek when you're like five, but, but in life, you know, when those times come and life shouts at us, ready or not, we really want to have that sense in our hearts, I'm ready, bring it on, I'm prepared. And uh, that's the way that, that it needs to be. Now, we have no idea, any of us, knowing what's coming around the, the corner in, in, in our lives. We don't know that. Um, but what we're going to see in this study is that we can be prepared so that we can adjust when those times come. It's been said that a blind-sighted person is a blind-sighted person person and what we're going to study in this series is how we spiritually can live with our eyes wide open so to speak how we can how we can live in such a way where we see those subtleties and those nuances developing so we can begin to make the needed adjustments uh, in, in our own lives and these truths we're going to cover in the next few weeks they build one upon another and so I really want to encourage you as much as you can in the course of this study just determine hey I'm going to get in I'm going to see where we're going in the course of this study they build one upon the next. Having said that, if, if this study were a book, we would be covering today the equivalent of reading the introduction. It's important that we spend some time and we kind of set the stage, set the table, so to speak, to get ready for what we're going to cover in, in, in the weeks to come. Now, if you're here today and you'd say, you know something, I want to make the most of life, I want to be ready, and maybe you'd say today, hey, I, I'm a Christian and I want to I do well in this life, I would say, great, principles will be covered here that are good, not because I'm saying them, because we'll get them from the Bible, and it can be a great help to you. Now, maybe you're here today, and in your heart you're thinking, well, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm here today, maybe you're a guest, someone invited you, and you'd say in your heart, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure about this matter of Christianity, I don't know what to think about it all, I don't even know what to think about church, and to you I would say, I am so glad you're here, and uh, I, I think this series of lessons can be helpful to you for a variety of reasons one i think that some of the principles we'll cover they're universal and whether you're a believer or not there are just some practical steps that we're going to cover that can help anybody but but also if if you're here and in your heart you say i really am not sure where i'm at with god or whatever whatever you would you would say you're going to you're going to find in the course of this study what christianity is all about what god's all about and and why i believe that he really can be your great companion in life. And so I think there's something for all of us in this in this study to help us make the, the most of this time. Uh, we're we're going to have to do a little introduction work. All right. And we're going to be studying primarily the life of one man in Scripture, a man who was incredibly prepared, uh, ready, it seemed at every moment. And he's a man whose life is named after the book we're going to be reading from today, a man by the name of Joshua, remarkable man in Scripture. And he's got a lot to teach me, I know that, and I want to learn it, and I hope that you'll feel the same way, and, and uh, if you would, be so kind today as to join me in standing out of respect for the reading of God's Word, we'll look together, if you're able, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read a few more verses than ordinarily I would tackle in, in a single study, but I want us to get some of the background, so we'll uh, get through this together. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, 
Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now I'm going to read on, but we'll just kind of identify some of the characters we've, we've met so far, uh, so far. First of all, we meet a man by the name of Moses. We'll talk about him briefly. And then we meet Joshua. And uh, he, here the Bible says he's Moses' minister. And there's another group of people that we find in the very end of verse 2. It's a group the Bible calls the children of Israel. That's just one of the ways the Bible refers to the Israeli people, the Jewish people. And so we've kind of got an idea who we're dealing with here. Moses, he was the leader. He died, obviously. Then we have Joshua. And who's being led? The children of Israel or or the Jewish nation. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We're going to read on, but I think it's interesting. In all of the Bible, a book that really deals with the topic of success a lot, in all of the Bible, uh, the word success is only used one time, and we just read it. And it's really associated with the life of this man, Joshua. Joshua was a man who was instructed by God how how to have success And then he went ahead and did it. Not a perfect man. None of us are perfect. We understand that. But this is a man that he lived life. Ready or not, he chose ready. And he knew what success was because he followed God's plan. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. I want you to go back, if you would, near the end of verse 5. There's just a statement there. God here speaking to Joshua, and near the end of verse 5, he just says this, I will be with thee. He says, Joshua, you need to know something. I'll be with you. And that really was a great comfort to someone heading into a season of life where they were an absolute novice in many, many ways. But the presence of God would have made the difference. And so I want us today to invest this time, really, of of an introduction to this study so that we can be helped and we can grow and and, uh, enjoy the lives, really, that God's called all of us to. So let's ask Him to help us today. Our Father, thank You for each person here this morning. And I pray that You would bless each life, that You would open our spiritual eyesight so that we could really see the truths that we need and lord it's always amazing to me how one message that that maybe deals with a lot that it, it in one part will really strike one heart and another part another and and so i pray we'd all be sensitive to exactly what you have for us today um i just pray lord that we'd all leave here having having gleaned something that that would help us to 
follow you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, the book of Joshua begins in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, where we started reading a moment ago, but that, that's not where Joshua began. Joshua started years earlier. He was born to a family that was living in Egypt. Now, he was a Jewish man, born, of course, from a Jewish family, but at that time in world history, the Jews were living in Egypt. They were living around those big pyramids. We don't know exactly what all they were involved in there. We do know they were involved in making bricks, and, and people have surmised that maybe they were there and they were part of that great building program that, that gave the world the pyramids. But we find Joshua born into uh, the world in a time where people like him, people of his ethnicity and in a family that he came from, they were born into the world almost with zero opportunity at all. They were born from a family of slaves. They were going to live their lives as a slave. They were going to die as a slave. The best they could hope for was maybe just a little enjoyment interspersed somewhere along the way, but it was going to be a rough go in life. And, and that was the situation Joshua was born into. It's a difficult time. But the Bible tells us that as this was happening, God is seeing all that's going on. And in Exodus chapter 3, and we won't read all these texts together, but I want to reference a few verses. The Bible tells us that the Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. A verse later, God says this, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And so here's Joshua in the midst of a people who are living as slaves, and they're having a tough go of it, no freedom, no opportunity, no joy really, and God says, you know something, I'm going to intervene there. And God did what he so often does. He rose up a person who could come and be a leader for his people. The person, in this case, was a man by the name of Moses. And so Moses goes at the leading of God to these people. He leads them out of Egypt, and they go from being captives and prisoners to now having freedom and, and liberty. And, and Joshua is here as Moses is leading. And the Bible tells us, even in the verses we read a moment ago, that Joshua was Moses' minister. That just meant he served Moses, he helped Moses. We, we know uh, in one occasion he literally helped, helped Moses wash his hands. He was just the kind of guy that was all the time around Moses saying, Hey, can I help with anything? Is there anything I can do for you? And uh, he just kind of had a heart to serve. That was the kind of man that Joshua was. As he helped Moses, they would talk together about God. They would talk together about what the Lord was doing in their midst. And, and in fact, the Bible tells us after one great victory that, that God comes to Moses in Exodus 17. He says this, the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. In other words, God said this, Moses, you're training up your predecessor here or your successor, rather. You're, you're helping Joshua to learn what it is he needs to learn so that he can do what it is that he needs to do. And God said, Moses, so I want you to rehearse this in his ears. Tell him over and over how this victory was won, how the battle was won, what all was accomplished in this setting. And so Joshua served Moses. We know that he served as a soldier in the army, the Israeli army. We know that he served as a spy behind enemy lines. And we know that he served eventually as a general in, in the Israeli army and finally as, as the leader of the people of God. And as we began reading our text today, the very beginning of it all makes a statement we need to understand. It says, now after the death of Moses. For all these years, 40 years, Joshua had followed the leadership of Moses and, and now the leader died. And it was his time. Now, as a boy, Joshua couldn't have imagined any freedom, any opportunity to lead, much less leading a nation of millions. But here he is in this moment, and God says, listen, it's, it's time. Ready or not, 
And Joshua was going to learn that he was ready. All that needed to be done in his life to bring him to that moment had been done. It had been beautifully orchestrated by the hand of God. And I believe that can be said of all of us as we come to these various opportunities in life. If you have your notebook nearby, let's consider, first of all, today, our yesterdays can prepare us for our todays and our tomorrows. They can prepare us. In our text, we see that after an appropriate time of grieving the death of Moses, God comes to Joshua. And and I want you to get your mind around what it is God told Joshua. He said, uh, Joshua, Moses, my servant's dead. Now, therefore, based on that fact, I want you to arise, go over this Jordan, the river that was separating Joshua from where it was he needed to be. He said, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people under the land which I do give to them even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, you know, just like I told Moses, like I said to Moses. So here's what you need to do, Joshua. Get up, apparently he was down, get up and get over the river and take these people with you. I need you to be the leader that you've been called to be. God was saying, it's time for you to get to work. Moses has done a good thing. Moses brought our people a long ways. But Joshua, it's time for you to seize your moment for you to do what only you can do. Life comes quickly in all of our lives. I think of Job in in, in the Bible. He was being a realist when in Job chapter 14 and verse 1 he said this, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. I won't take a survey today. How many of you were born from a woman? I think Job was saying, look, all of us. It doesn't take us long in life to figure out there's some adversity we're going to encounter. There's some difficulties along the way. We all have times in life when maybe a trial or a tragedy or a triumph brings an opportunity into our lives where a decision must be made. And so we find in the life of Joshua, a man that served Moses and learned from him. He served as a spy. He served as a soldier, then as a general. And all of those were steps to bring him to this opportunity to be the leader that God wanted him to be. You see, God's will for man's life is something that's not brought through large things necessarily, but through the small things, the obscure things. Joshua never could have imagined as a very young man that helping Moses would be so important. Getting Moses something to drink or, or go, going to fetch something for him, he could have never imagined how important that was, but had he not learned that lesson, he never would have been a soldier who could follow orders. He didn't understand what being a soldier was about. He never could have been a spy. If he wouldn't have gained the understanding as a spy of what the enemy was doing, he couldn't then have been a general. And it was his time as a general that then prepared him so that he could be the leader that God called him to be. You see, it was all along the way that God was working in his life. I'm reminded of the man that worked in a company for 25 years and all his peers were getting raises and promotions and he got a little upset about it. So he talked to his boss and he said, listen, I've been here 25 years. Everyone else is getting raises and promotions and and I've got 25 years experience and I'm not advancing. And his boss said, you know, you don't really have 25 years experience. You have had one experience for 25 years. You haven't learned. You haven't grown. You haven't gotten another degree. You you haven't expanded anything. You've been the same guy for 25 years. No, you you actually really haven't grown. And when it comes to being ready or not, we have to understand that each of us has a decision to make every day of life. All of us have, have, have an opportunity as we approach a new day to see it as what it is, a gift from God, an opportunity for us to learn, an opportunity to add to the mosaic of who we are and what we know, and, and that will open doors for us as we move ahead. Again, 40 years he watched Moses. 40 years he listened to the word of God. He served where he could. He helped others, but little did he know this was kind of a graduation day of sorts for him, a new day. 
I want to challenge you today to make a decision to be a lifelong learner. Never reach a point in life where it's like, I, I know all I need to know about that. Never, never stop uh, uh, being curious or interested or asking the question, what did you do there? And why did you do that? Be the kind of person that's willing to have a heart and a mind that's open to, to grow and to learn. And Joshua made this decision, and he discovered that it allowed him to grow throughout his life. Our yesterdays, they can pre prepare us for our todays and our tomorrows. But there's another thought in this text, and, and we need to nail this down by way of introduction. The second thought is this. God knows what is coming and what we need. God knows that. He knows what is coming and, and what we need. And so God laid out what Joshua needed. And, and uh, so he's talking to Joshua, telling him some things he'll need. And let me tell you today, what Joshua needed, we need the same things. And so as God is talking to him, he, he kind of begins to express some things. Listen to what God says in verse 6. Up here he says this, be strong. Joshua, let me tell you what you're going to need. Strength. Be strong. Oh, and another thing, be, be courageous. Have courage. A good courage. In the very next verse, he said, Joshua, only, only, exclusively, be strong and very courageous. One verse removed, he went on to make a statement this way. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed for the fear, uh, for the Lord, rather, thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Joshua, let me help you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous be strong and courageous and don't quit he says because i'm going to be with you each step of the way and i'm going to tell you why god said exactly what he said to joshua because we're enough like joshua will understand this when life comes at us quickly wh whether it's fear of something difficult or maybe it's a big opportunity and we think it's just much bigger than we are we don't feel strong we feel weak I mean, we've all had that, that sick in the pit of our stomach feeling because there was some big decision that needed to be made. And, and rather than feeling strong, we felt weak. Rather than feeling courageous, we were afraid. Rather than tackling the responsibilities in our lives, all of us at one time or another have entertained this thought, look, I know this is a worthwhile responsibility, but based on what's going on in my life, I'd rather quit it, walk away from it, leave it alone. And so God says, Joshua, listen, you're a human being, and I know exactly what's going to happen. You've got an opportunity here that's enormous, and you're going to feel weak, so be strong. You're going to be afraid, so be courageous. You're going to feel alone, so I want you to know I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm thankful for a God like that. Listen, what better source can we find in life for a partner than in God? Jesus was, was speaking one time in the Bible, and the book of the Revelation tells us all about it. He said this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He said, all right, if you're thinking of me as an alphabet, I'm the front and the back and everything in between. He said, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. Jesus was saying, any way you slice it, any way you want to see it, I know everything that has happened, and I know everything that will happen. And friends, that means that God knows what's coming up in our lives, and He knows what we need because of what's coming up. My wife Lisa and I have a show that we like to watch, and um, a lot of times we'll record it and wait till we have time to sit down, and, and uh, we'll enjoy it together. And we were doing this just the other night, and we're sitting there, and this show was, it was a real intense moment, and it had all these twists and turns, and so Lisa was twisting and turning as well in her seat, you know, just fired up. It was one of these... Moments, you know, moments in the show. An intense show and an intense moment. And, and uh, we're sitting there. It's like she can't even eat her popcorn. Now, I was having no problem with that, all right? I was succeeding greatly. I was, I was eating popcorn like crazy and, and kind of looking around. And she's just, man, uptight, just into it, you know? And uh, she finally looked over at me and she said, why aren't you into this? And then apparently I had a guilty expression because she goes, 
did you already watch it? <laughs> and uh, I said, yes, I did. You caught me, you know. And, and uh, she was so uptight, but I wasn't uptight. I wasn't nervous. I, it wasn't all that intense for me because I knew exactly what was coming next. I knew, I knew what was going to happen. I knew what everybody was going to do. And so while she's sitting here just totally, just totally intense, I'm over here. You know, I'm glad she's not eating her popcorn. It's more for me. And now that's not a perfect analogy, but friends, listen. God knows how everything's going to turn out too. And when sometimes we'd get stuck in the paralysis of analysis or we'd be overcome by fear and anxiety and, and sometimes when we get discouraged because we don't know what's coming next and, and all those things that happen, if we've got a partner in God, we've got a partner who knows what's coming next and so he's, for that reason, not uptight. And sometimes when life comes fast, we don't even know why we're uptight. <laughs> Someone will ask you, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Something is wrong with me. I, I just I don't even know what it is. I am uptight. And friends, I want you to know today It's great to know a God who assures us of his presence and power along the way. And so by way of introduction, God tells Joshua, look, you're going to have a tendency to feel weak when the challenges come and afraid because it's huge. It's huge. But God says, you just need to be strong and courageous. And Joshua, I'm going to be with you in this. You're not alone. Don't quit. Don't quit, he said. Don't be dismayed. Don't quit. I'm going to be with you every step of the way there was a third thought that joshua learned that is going to be key integral to us understanding the rest of of this study joshua understood something he understood that preparation begins in our hearts now joshua needed a lot of physical supplies and resources no doubt about it he's leading a nation of millions he he was leading a military he he had a lot of physical resourcing that was needed but here's what joshua came to understand in his life if i've got god in my life all that other stuff will take care of itself he wasn't discounting the need for resources but like if god is your partner make big plans okay joshua came to understand this that if he was really going to be prepared for him it would need to start in his heart in terms of his relationship with God that was something of primary importance when he had peace in his heart he could be at war and and keep that peace there God would help him and so really today as we conclude our study and we get ready to move on in in the weeks to come I, I need to ask a question that is a question we all need to to listen to and answer in our hearts it's the kind of question you don't answer out loud in your heart you answer And I said it's the kind of question we all need to nail down before we move on in this study because uh, nobody in this room is better or worse than anybody else, but there is kind of a a common starting point. And as we sometimes say, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart, and preparation begins in the heart. And so as we get started on this study, we kind of need to do a little little check on our hearts. And and I need to ask a question today, and I don't want anybody to answer out loud as much as just think in your in your mind. Here's the question. Do you have a real relationship with God? Do you have a real relationship with God? Now, let me tell you what I'm not asking today. I'm not asking if you are a member of a church. I'm not asking if you do good deeds or if you've been baptized or given an offering or if you pray a lot. I'm I'm not asking any of those things. I'm, I'm just simply asking today, do you have the confidence, the assurance, the certainty in your heart that you have a relationship with God? I'm talking about the joy of the forgiveness of sins and the knowledge of his presence in our life and the hope of a home in heaven when we die. You see, preparation begins in the heart. Do you know you have 
a relationship with God. Now, I know some would say, well, you can't know that. You can't possibly know that. I've had people say to me, who do you think you are for you to say that you know that? As though uh, it's, it's an arrogant statement for somebody to say, I know I have a relationship with God. Well, here's the good news on that. God has weighed in on this. And while my word is not super important and the words of others is not any more important than God's word, God has made it crystal clear today. And I want you to mark this down and we're going to validate this from scripture in a moment. God has told us that you can know for an absolute certainty, 100%, that you have a relationship with him. I'm so thankful for that. In fact, God in his word, and, and he, he was writing through the Apostle Paul, who dealt a lot with this matter of knowing we have a relationship with God. He made it really clear in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Now, I'm going to read on, but Paul was suffering some things. He was, he was going through some persecution for the faith. I suffer these things. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I know the one in whom I'm believing. I know, and he's believing in the Lord. And he said this, I am persuaded, I am absolutely convinced that he, Jesus, is able to keep what I've committed to him. We'd say, well, Paul, what did you commit to him? He'd say, well, my life, of course, but more than that. He would say, my eternal destiny, my, my spiritual life, I've, I've, given, I've given it all over to God, and I know him. I have a relationship with him. John in 1 John chapter 5 really begins to help us to understand more of what this is all about. He said, these things have I written unto you. And I, I think we could say today he was telling us these things. These things, he said. I've written what I've written unto you. The Bible, um, that believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay, why did you do that, John? That you might know that you have eternal life. No, not just a hope. You can know. And that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. Friends, I've got to tell you, God is so good. And he's been very careful to fill his word up with verses that let us know that we can have an absolute assurance of a relationship with him. Now, there's no question that we can know that. But some may wonder, well, how can you know that? All right, you can know that, but how can you know that? And so God begins to tell us in the Bible what it is that needs to be known for us to have a certain certainty in terms of a relationship with him. In the book of Romans chapter 3, uh, the Bible tells us that, that we all have something in common. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now all, that means all, all means all, that's all all means, that's all of us here, everybody, you, me, everybody, we've all sinned. Oh, pastor, do you have to say that word? I know, I'd rather not, but it's in the Bible. How many of you think of a word's in the Bible, pastor's kind of obligated to say at least every now and then, okay? Not every service, but, you know, every now and then you probably should say it. And That's just what the Bible says. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, the word sin essentially just means to miss the mark. What's the mark? The glory of God, his perfection. And none of us here today can say that we've hit the mark. We're perfect, just like God. None of us can say that. Now, it might be entertaining if we, if we had a, 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 you know, an argument to find out who is the worst person here, who's the best person here. But God says this, you've all missed the mark by such a great distance. He said, let's just leave it this way. You guys are all sinners, and I'm perfect. That's what God says. So, we're all sinners. God is, is perfect. And he says, we all come short. We all fall short of his glory. Now, that, that's a problem. We're sinners. God's not. The good news today is God loves us 
And he's provided for our salvation through his work on the cross. In Romans chapter 5, in, in verse 8, the Bible says this, but God commendeth, or he's given his love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I want you to understand what it is he's saying here. God has given us his love in that while we were yet sinners. Listen, the construction of that verse in the original language of the New Testament literally means this. While we were in the act of sinning, God sees us and he says, I still love you. And, and, and there's a problem because of sin. And the Bible says his love, he proved it by, by dying for us. Jesus died on the cross because there is a price to pay. You see, God is holy and God is just. That means God, no matter how much he loves us, God can't look at us and say, hey, you're a sinner. No problem. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. We'll act like it never happened. He can't do that because he's a holy and a just God. If there is sin, there's a, a payment that needs to be made for sin. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin are what we deserve from sin, what we have coming, uh, what we've earned because of sin is death. Now, spiritual death is another thing I don't often like to talk about, but I'll be honest with you, Jesus talked a lot about it. Physical death is separation from the body. Spiritual death is separation from God, and there is a place, the Bible is identified as the place where those who are separated from God forever and ever go. And again, it's a place I don't like to talk about, but Jesus calls it hell. That's, that's eternal death. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin, what we have coming because we're all sinners, is eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if eternal death is separation from God, aren't you glad to know eternal life is eternity in heaven with God? And the Bible here calls that the gift of God. Now, listen, I'm not super bright, but here's the question I'm thinking of about now. How do you get a gift from God like that? You know? I remember when I was first confronted with this issue, I, I remember being in church and the pastor at the end said, you know, if you, if you want this gift of God, you come to the front and I'll talk with you. And dynamite would not have blown me out of my seat. I was very shy and, you know, afraid to go forward. The gift of God. The gift of God. How do you get a gift from God? We can't see him. We can't touch him. I mean, none of, none of our senses work with, with God in a conventional way. Well, God is so good, he literally wrote out for us exactly what we need to know about receiving this gift of eternal life. Establishing a relationship with him. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation I, I like the way the apostle paul's he's writing here he he talked about confess with your mouth but it's not just you know abc repeat after me it's not just say this prayer you're confessing with your mouth but it's because you're believing in your heart and what are you believing that god hath raised him from the dead if paul would have said believe jesus Everyone knew who Jesus was. They would have heard of Jesus. So he brings it down to that one definitive attribute, that characteristic in the life of Christ that separates him from, from everybody else, that he rose from the dead. The reality of his death, that was, that was commonly known. But Paul said, listen, I'm going to tell you what it is to be saved spiritually, saved from the penalty of our sin and saved unto a relationship with God. He said, you've got to really believe in your heart. That Jesus Christ, God the Son, he died not for any sin he'd done, but for our sin. He did that to let us know he loves us and that we can have a relationship with him. 
and, 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 and if we'll believe in our heart that he did uh, raise from the dead to confirm that he is who he said he was, God the Son, we can be saved. In fact, just a verse removed from this, uh, the Bible goes on to say this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this calling on the name of the Lord, that's not prayer for Thanksgiving dinner or just some uh, prayer that we might pray. I think those prayers are fine. This is a specific prayer to be saved. It's a prayer that says, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that's a problem because you're not. But God, I know that you love me. And because I have a debt because of my sin, I'm acknowledging that you paid my debt. And God, I want to receive your payment by faith. I trust you for it. You see, anyone and everyone who comes to God admitting our sin and turning from ourselves to Him will be saved from the penalty of sin into a relationship that lasts forever. Our family had an opportunity to go on vacation this summer. And, and as we were getting ready for our vacation, uh, my dad called me one day and he said, Hey, Steve, I've got a, I've got a timeshare in Hawaii. And I got a week of time I'm not going to get to. And he said, if you, if you want that time, you could have it. Um, I didn't even pray about it. I knew I wanted it, you know. <laughs> so I, free week? Yeah, absolutely. He said, let me know. And I said, you know, I want it, okay. So he gave me a, a paper and it said guest certificate, right. And so I went to the, the hotel timeshare situation there with the family and and I gave him a paper. And let me tell you what the paper essentially said. The paper essentially said this. Steve and his family, they don't deserve to be here. They didn't pay for it. They didn't earn it. They didn't merit it. It was just a gift. And they accepted it by faith. And here they are. They don't belong here. But there was a paper that said that I had taken a payment from someone else's account. And it was made as though it were my own payment. Someday I believe I'll go to heaven, not because I'm great, but Jesus is. But I think I could be there and, and it could be said, you know, I don't deserve to be here. I didn't pay for this. I didn't merit it. There's not good in me to let me deserve to be in the presence of God because I'm a sinner. But I could say, but you know what? Somebody loved me, Jesus. And when he died, it wasn't for his own sin. He hadn't committed any. It was for mine. And then what he said is, hey, Heaven, if you want it, let me know. And I let him know. And he said, very good. You can have it. Forgiveness of sins, assurance of a home in heaven, a relationship with God. You see, we have to know that God loves us. We have to know that Jesus is God the Son, that he died on the cross then he rose again. We need to turn from any self-effort of working our way to a relationship with God and simply accept by faith that he has done for us what it is that needs to be done. We're going to move on in this study, but guys, there's a starting point. There's a common ground where none of us are any better or worse than anyone else. We just have to deal with this issue. He was able to press on and be ready or not in life because it started in his heart. Do you know for an absolute certainty, if you were to die today, you'd spend eternity in heaven? Do you know that you have that relationship with God? And I think it'd be a great way to finish this first message and get ready for those to come by dealing with that issue in our hearts. I remember the day I became a Christian. I told you I went to church. Pastor said, come to the front. And I thought, if that's what you got to do to go to heaven, 
then I'm not going to heaven. That's about how strong I felt about that. I thought, I just, I'm scared to death. I went home after church, and I talked with my mom, and in the course of our conversation, I let my mom know that, hey, whatever he talked about, I don't have that. If he'd have said, do you go to church? Do you pray every now and then? Do you try to do good things? I could have said yes to all that, but that wasn't what he asked. He said, do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? And I'm like, well, if you put it like that, no. Nope. Now, I remember as I talked with my mom, she said, well, do you know you're a sinner? It's hard to pull one over on your mom when that's the question, you know. She, she could have reminded me of many, many, many sins. Yeah, I know, I'm a sinner. Son, you understand God's perfect? And she went through a lot of what we talked about today. And she said, well, son, the Bible says you'll confess with your mouth what's in your heart. She said, would you like me to help you put to words what's in your heart? I said, man, that'd be great. My mom led me in a prayer. And I already told you, it's not repeating a prayer. That's not what saves anybody. But it's believing in your heart and confessing it. The day I became a Christian, I remember my mom prayed with me. Dear Lord Jesus. And I prayed, dear Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. And then I prayed it. And, and again, it wasn't repeating a prayer from my mom as great as she is. That's, that's not enough to save anybody. But I was believing in my heart and personally entering into a relationship with God. And as we get started today in this series, I'm going to pray that prayer today. And some of you here, as I'm closing, you, you know, no one has to convince you, you know in your heart, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. Maybe you'd say, I hope so. Maybe you'd say, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not anywhere close to having that relationship with God. Well, the great news is he loves everybody the same. And so I'm going to close this part of our service by praying that prayer. And if you've never prayed that prayer before to accept Jesus as your Savior, to establish that relationship with him, today's the day. I hope you'll join me. So as I pray, I'll say a few words and pause, and, and uh, if you'd like to join in, again, it's not repeating me, my prayer. No, not at all. It's, it's just simply doing what we found in the Bible in our study today. So if you'd like to pray, I'll invite you to do so. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve to pay for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for coming back to life after three days. Please forgive me of my sin and give me a home in heaven when I die. Help me to live for you with my life. Thank you for hearing and answering